Good morning. Welcome to His People Church. And it's such a delight for me to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. And uh, at His People Church, we are passionate about Him and people. And you'll hopefully, as, as, we, as we get into the word, understand why we say that. My name is Jacques. And together with my lovely wife, Jenny, we are the senior pastors of His People in Peter Maritzburg. Our website is over there, www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. If you want to get any more info, also on our website, we put all the slides for, for, for the messages and lots of other info. So, so please go there and, um, and just see if there's any resources that can be of benefit to you. So I really trust that uh, if you were playing through the playlist, that you enjoyed that little video we played you um, about the Alpha Course. And we are so delighted to be um, running the Alpha Course. Um, we're going to be starting in, in, in May. And uh, we'll give you more details close to the time. But uh, it's just so profound. Uh, the, 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 the whole ministry of Alpha, particularly, uh, I mean, we, we had contact with the people in Cape Town. I mean, last year alone during lockdown, there were over 200 churches just in South Africa that were running the Alpha Course. And it's such an amazing um, tool that God has given the body of Christ to be able to create an environment where people can come together and ask questions, have, have their questions answered, and really be, be, discover the important questions about life. And so if, if, if you're interested, then uh, please contact us. We'll, we'll let you know more info. But this morning, I actually want to start off with a quote. And this is a quote by Roland Baker. Now, Roland Baker, uh, together with his wife, Heidi, um, they have an amazing ministry in Mozambique, uh, the whole nation, but particularly northern Mozambique. And in 2013, we were there and um, we, we, we did a sabbatical. And, um, and it was ju it's just incredible to see the incredible ministry they have um, based in Pemba, northern Mozambique, where we were for nearly a month. And Roland is an amazing teacher. And uh, when we were there, we were just, you know, most people know about Heidi, um, his, his wife. But Roland was just so profound in terms of just the ministry. And um, this week, one of the ladies in our church, her name's Anne, she posted this quote uh, by Roland on his Facebook page. Uh, I think this was on Thursday. And Roland said this. He said, I actually don't have a passion for revival. When I read that, I was like, what? He said, I have a passion for Jesus, which is what revival is made out of. And I was like, yo, that's the neatest, shortest definition of revival I've ever seen. He went on to say in the same way, I don't love prayer. Again, you, you know, you quote that out of context. You kind of think, oh, this is a heresy. He says, I love the one I pray to. He goes on to say, I don't love worship. You're like, what? He says, I love the one I worship. He said, I don't love theology. I love the one theology is about. I don't love signs and wonders. I love the one who does them. I don't love world transformation. I love the transformer. I don't love heaven. I love the one 
who is there. And then he quotes Psalm 73 verse 25, and I've just put it on the screen for you. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. And based on this little quote um, by Roland Baker, I've actually entitled my message this morning, Passion for Jesus. And we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, and uh, not the whole chapter, but a good portion of it. And it is, it's the story of Jesus encountering a woman at a well. And this woman is so, I just love listening to interactions. I mean, she's talking to Jesus here and she's so, she's so witty. She's so, she's got an answer for everything that Jesus says. She thinks she has an answer. I mean, she's just shooting back, firing back. I mean, she's got a sharp tongue and, and I just love this interaction that Jesus has with her. But the gospel of John, I thought, let's just have a look at the gospel of John. Uh, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples and he wrote this gospel. And I I love just doing a bit of background into into the various books of the Bible. And I haven't shared this about John before. Um, Now, it's important to note that, remember, there are four gospels and John is the fourth in the New Testament. But the first three gospels are actually very similar. The first three gospels focus more on what Jesus taught and what he did. And also quite a lot in his ministry in Galilee. Whereas John focuses more on who Jesus is expressed in seven radical I am statements. And I'm not going to put the I am statements up there. I was actually thinking, I'm sure some of you are going to get an itch to see what that is. And I thought, yeah, I'm sure soon we're going to have on Reviving Hearts, some of you are going to be posting the seven I am statements. So let's see who gets it up there first. Uh, I was thinking, I don't know, maybe Zena, let's see, who's, who's, who's got the I am statements for us? Let's see. But what's so interesting about John is Bible scholars believe that John actually wrote his gospel a couple of years after Matthew, um, uh, Luke and Mark was written. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And the, those first three, uh, as, I, as I said, focus on what Jesus did and taught. And it's as if John wanted to bring a fresh angle and, and, and a fresh perspective on the life and ministry of Jesus. And so there's a number of things actually that's so interesting about John. Um, for example, there are a number of things that are found in the other three Gospels that he doesn't cover. The whole uh, story around Jesus' birth, um, you know, even the, the, the whole Gethsemane, um, really, trauma. So many things are not found in John. But yet, there are a number of miracles and stories that are found in John that are not found in the other Gospels. As if G, uh, John had, had insight into or read or had heard what the other Gospels were. And he was like, but there's more. And he actually says um, these amazing words, which we'll look at, about that, um, you know, there's just so much more that could be written about Jesus. And it's as if he really was just being led by the Spirit of God to highlight some things in his gospel, the gospel of John, that weren't highlighted in the other three gospels. 
And so just, just I want to put this up. The purpose of John. Now it's very interesting because John actually in these verses, John 20 verse 30 and 31, he actually states his purpose. Uh, and, and, and this is always so helpful. And he says in uh, John 20 verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So there, there we go. But these are written, and he's saying why he wrote these stories, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe. That's his purpose. And I pray that even as we look at these verses of Scripture written by the Apostle John, that faith would ignite in your heart and you would believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I just as I've been in my personal devotions reading John this last while, been struck by how often in the stories that John, by the Spirit of God, is led to, to pen down, he highlights they believed. Um, and, and the word belief, uh, pisteo, which is the, the Greek word, is mentioned. It's the word he chooses to use. And it's one of, it is one of the fundamental and most basic responses that, that, that God is looking for in every single one of us to these stories, to the word of God, is that we believe, that we adhere to and submit to and embrace the, uh, not just the stories, but the one that the stories are about, Jesus Christ, a wholehearted embracing of who Jesus is as revealed by the Apostle John. I just want to put this up in the, in my, in, in, for you guys as well, that the Gospel of John is a combination of both simplicity and depth. It has been called a pool in which a child may wade and an elephant may swim. What a beautiful little description of John. Because you can read these stories and, and even children would understand the basics. But as you just meditate and you're like, wow, this is deep. That's why he says, even an elephant may swim. And, and I want to put this quote up. Its stories are so simple that even a child will love them. But its statements are so profound that no philosopher can fathom them. Isn't that beautiful? And so, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. But there's something in John every time you read it. I don't think we could ever read John and not just get so much from it. So praise God for John. But let's go on to this story in John chapter 4 of the Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. And, and in, in the one Bible I was looking at, the, the title was A Samaritan Woman Meets Her Messiah. And I just love those words. And, and I've said, let's just keep that title. So I've just skipped the first two verses where it speaks about just what was going on before Jesus went through Samaria. And so uh, let's just read this scripture and then we'll, we'll, we'll carry on from there. So it says in verse 3 over there, He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But 
he needed to go through Samaria. And I've underlined there, he needed to go through Samaria. And, and what I've got is, I've actually got on the next slide, and I'm just going to show it to you. I've got a map over here, and I trust you can see it on the screen. So this green area in the middle here, this is Samaria. But this area is Judea, and there's Jerusalem in the middle of it, and there's Bethlehem, some places hopefully you remember. And then Galilee's in the north here, and there's Nazareth where he grew up, and a number of very famous towns that Jesus ministered in. And so he spent, actually in his three years of ministry, majority of his time in this area, he did spend some time in this area. But the significant thing is that to go from Judea to Galilee, the shortest route was to go through Samaria. But there was a lot of animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. A lot of animosity. And in those days, a Jewish, a Jewish person actually looked down at Samaritans, kind of equated them on, you know, if there was a, a pecking order, you know, kind of with dogs and animals, etc. It was, I mean, today we look at that kind of an attitude and you are so repulsed by that kind of attitude. But that racist attitude was, that was the reality that Jesus, that's the world he grew up in. That's the world he was living in. And it was so, it was so, um, some Jews felt so strongly about that. If they wanted to make the journey from Judea to Galilee, they would not take the shortcut through Samaria. They would actually go around Samaria, go the long route, because they so despised the Samaritans. And so this verse, this verse speaks over here about, it says, he needed to go through Samaria. And it's very interesting. Um, whether it was a need just because it was the shortcut or whether it was a need because Jesus knew there was this, this woman. And more than that, when we read the scripture, Jesus ended up spending two days in a village. And the Bible says many, many people in a village believed in Jesus. And so an amazing, amazing revival broke out as people believed in Jesus in that town. And, and this, this thing, my personal conviction was the reason he chose to go through Samaria was because of a town of Samaritan people that Jesus wanted to reach out to, that he wanted to minister to. And that was the reason why he felt he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. And Sikha is actually the same place in the Old Testament as Shechem. And Shechem is a place, if you read, Abram had, had spent time there. Jacob spent time there. Had, Jacob had a field there, etc. And it, is, it, is, it was just a, a quite an important place in, in, in the history of the Israelites. But Sikha was, was also the capital city of the Samaritans. And so it was a significant place. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat by the well. Just very interesting. It says that Jesus wearied from his journey. You know, John the Apostle, if you read the whole Gospel of John, makes 
such strong statements to reveal that Jesus is God. But he also puts in these statements that Jesus being wearied from his journey, that he was 100% man and that Jesus, in his, although he was God, he didn't minister and when he was with his disciples, he didn't, he was 100% man, 100% God and man. And John reveals this and here we can see he has the same flesh and blood after traveling however long he was tired. And he sat by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, what's interesting, sixth hour would be sort of midday, it's hot now, etc. And it says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Now, what's also interesting is that most of the women would have gone to draw water early in the day, not in the middle of the day when it's hot. So the woman, it was the woman's job back in the day to go draw water. And the question is, why did this woman go in the middle of the day when it's hot? Why didn't she go with all the other ladies? If they would have, it would have been safer to go with other ladies. And, and, and if, you, if you read the story and you find out that, you know, she's living an immoral lifestyle, it's very likely that she was treated as an outcast by the village. That she didn't feel welcome to go with the other woman to the well in the morning to draw water as was their custom. And so she went by herself because, because of this rejection, because of her lifestyle, etc. But yet Jesus goes to meet her. And again, you know, this story, I trust it ministers to you. If you're feeling like in any way an outcast, you don't belong, etc., Look at how Jesus goes out of his way to meet with those who are so-called outcasts by world standards. God looks at things so different. You may feel you're an outcast by your village, but that's not how God sees you. That's not how Jesus sees you. He, he will go out of his way to meet with you. And um, the Bible says, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now look at how simply and just naturally Jesus engages with this woman. He asks her for a drink of water. It's the obvious thing to do. He's sitting at the well. He doesn't have anything to, to get water out of the well with. She does. She has a jar, etc. It's the obvious way to start a conversation. And, 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 and we know Jesus is going to have a profoundly spiritual conversation with her. But he doesn't start with... A major spiritual question. He starts with just a simple thing of, do you mind giving me a drink of water? And, and this is such an important lesson that we can also learn. You know, sometimes we think we need to be so spiritual. But yeah, Jesus is showing we don't have to. He asked the most obvious thing to ask in that situation and the most obvious way to start a conversation. Verse 8. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Question mark. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now she is putting it nicely. This great divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. But the number of barriers 
social taboos that Jesus was smashing by talking to this woman is quite incredible. And I want, I want us to learn for Jesus. I learn from Jesus. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so passionate about Jesus and just how how profoundly bold he was in talking to this woman. Now you say, how is that? Well, let's let's just look at this. So we, we looked at the map, um, but I want to put this um, little table up. And this is a table I've entitled it, Four Barriers Jesus Broke Through. In talking to this woman by just asking her for a drink of water, these were the four barriers he broke through. And I've just listed them over there, one to four. And let's just look at them. The first one is a gender barrier. He's, he's a male, he's a man, she's a woman. For a rabbi, and Jesus was recognized, many people called him a rabbi. A rabbi in those days wouldn't even be seen talking in public to his own wife or daughters. That is how strict the gender divide was. Here is this rabbi Jesus talking to a woman, and we'll 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 see. He, and, and she was she wasn't uh, she had a reputation. Let's just say that. So he's smashing through the gender barrier over here. In that day, that that in itself was was radical. He smashed through the race barrier, the race barrier between Jews and Samaritans. And I've highlighted that. And just to highlight the difference, where where did the Samaritans come from? Well, um, remember the history of, of Israel through the Babylonian occupation. Uh, the Babylonians, remember, conquered Israel and took many Jews off. And, and remember, they took the royalty, let's say the upper class Jews. They took all so-called best back to Babylon. And you remember the story of Daniel and his friends, etc., but they didn't take everybody. They, they left, let's just call it what it is, the kind of low cost, or cost if you win. I said low cost as in what you would call people like that in, in India, or lower class people, they left. And these people were staying there and they um, intermarried with people around them, etc. And formed a community, etc., and remember then when the Israelites came back with, um, from Babylon, rebuilt Jerusalem, etc. And the whole story about Nehemiah. They came back and, and the people that came back very much still upheld the Jewish culture. But the people who had been there, had they didn't, hadn't had the, the, all the priests were taken as well to Babylon. And so their culture was a mixed culture. It wasn't purely Jewish. And so the Samaritan culture and, and, and beliefs, etc., wasn't purely Jewish. It was a mixture. They had some stuff in there about Jacob and Abram. They believed, etc. They basically just believed the first five books of, of the Old Testament. But a lot of the other stuff they had mixed together. So it was a real mixture kind of a thing. But the result was that the Jews really despised these Samaritans and saw them as an inferior race. And so the application to today in the world today is just so obvious. We don't need to draw those parallels. But here is Jesus, a Jew, and, and he affirmed that. Uh, he didn't deny that. He's smashing through that great divide. 
by talking to a Samaritan person. There's the religious barrier, because remember, I've just explained, the Samaritans had different beliefs, and the Jews actually despised them for that. So it wasn't just a race thing, there was also a religion thing. The Jews definitely thought they were superior in their religion, etc., to the Samaritans' faith. And then there was the morality issue, because Jesus was an upright teacher, and we can see, I mean, the story, she was, you know, had multiple men and was living with somebody she would have been in that society seen as an immoral woman. And here's Jesus, an upright Jewish rabbi, talking to an immoral woman, also a big taboo. So it's huge, the barriers that Jesus is breaking through. And, and I'm so challenged by that. I'm so challenged by that. Are, are, are we, are we as a, as a, as a faith community, are we, do we live in ivory towers? Are we, you know, holier than thou? Uh, do we, are we people that will not step out of our comfort zone to talk to the immoral Samaritan people in our community? Or would we, do we have the love and the compassion of Jesus to step across all the barriers that we have in society. And, and, and I, could, I could pull this into modern day South Africa and just highlight and put different names there, highlight the barriers. You know what I'm talking about. Do you have the love of God in your heart that compels you? Paul the Apostle spoke about being compelled by the love of God. Is that love of God in you that would cause you to break through some barriers that we face in South Africa in 2021 to reach out to the Samaritans, whatever they look like, around us? That is, I'm, I'm challenged by this. I'm challenged by the bold love of Jesus to go and talk to this woman. It's, it's quite incredible. Let's go on in the story. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So here Jesus is now, he's, he's very quickly bringing in a spiritual conversation. And I remember talking to Pastor Carol Godsman and, and, and her just highlighting, said, it, if, if, you, if you're talking to people, don't avoid a spiritual conversation because as she said this she's found that if you delay or don't bring up spiritual things near the beginning of a conversation with somebody very often it's even harder to do so later and so yeah right up front Jesus is actually making he's he's talking metaphorically here not just about physical drinking but spiritual drinking now I've just highlighted he said the gift of God Folks, the greatest gift of God is Jesus. He's the greatest, most amazing gift. And I've highlighted these words. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Folks, those words just jumped out of the Bible pages at me. When last have you asked Jesus for a drink of living water? Jesus gives us living water. And I was, I was just challenged. And as I was preparing, I was just, I took some time and I just said, Lord, 
I ask you right now. And let's just ask the Lord right now. Lord, we ask you right now that we may drink from you, Lord. That we may drink the living water that you offer. Thank you, Lord. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? She's, she's as I said, she just, she's so cocky. She's so just, she just, she just always has something to say. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? You can see, yeah, she knows her history. She knows the whole, their, their, their religion and etc. But it's interesting, Jesus doesn't get sidetracked. He doesn't get into an argument about Jacob. And, you know, a traditional Jewish rabbi immediately would have been provoked to get into the theological argument about Jacob and whatever she's bringing up here. He doesn't. He doesn't fall for it. He goes on. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. And I just want to highlight this, that when we, when we um, were ministering over Easter, we spoke about the all-sufficiency of Christ. And I've just been so struck by that concept of the all-sufficiency of Christ. This is a scripture that reveals it. Jesus saying, who drinks the water that I give, will him will never thirst. Folks, if we drink from Jesus, we will not need to go and drink from other wells. In Jeremiah, he, 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 the book of Jeremiah, he talks about people going to drink from dirty wells and uh, just muddy, dirty wells. Folks, if we drink from Jesus, we will be satisfied with, with just life that emanates from Him, the all-sufficiency of Christ. We don't need to go and drink anywhere else. But the water that I shall give Him will become in Him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Just speaking about the abundant life that comes from communion, from spending time with Jesus, from drinking from Jesus, from allowing His Word and His Spirit to nourish us. The Bible very often literally refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. When we commune with God, the Spirit, it is the Spirit of Christ. And that results in, this, the Bible says, a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. We should bring life wherever we go as we drink from Jesus. These words are profound. And these are words that we need to, we need to just stop. I, I, I nearly feel, I nearly feel it's, 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 it's hard to go on. We need to just stop 
and just and just do this and just drink. And so, Lord, right now, Lord, I just ask, Lord, I ask just for a for an infilling and drinking from the waters that you offer. Jesus, we drink from you. Spirit of Christ, we drink from you. We drink from, we are nourished. We are filled, Lord, by pure waters, by holy waters, Holy Spirit waters that just you have to offer. Lord, you said you baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I just ask for a fresh infilling of your Spirit. May we drink from you deeply, Lord, that fountains of water would just come from our inmost being. In Jesus' name. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Again, she doesn't realize what he's talking about. She's thinking, oh, this trip out here in the hot sun, I won't have to come anymore. She doesn't understand. He's talking metaphorically here about spiritual, spiritual water. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. It's very interesting. You know, you read the story and we realize she's actually not married and the guy she's staying with isn't her husband. But Jesus was very much, as we said, breaking social taboos in engaging this woman. And for the ministry to go further, it's, it's now bordering on, on, on is this appropriate and so and so getting her husband to come um, would would mean that Jesus could minister more and minister deeply and minister profoundly to her and 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 I'm sure that did happen because he ended up spending two days there ministering to the whole village etc and, and I'm sure the ministry went deeper, but he's inviting her here and she's, she's wanting to respond, but it wouldn't have been appropriate for, for him to continue just her there and, and just taking it deeper because of, because of all, all, the, all the social, social um, realities that they face. But let's go on. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. You know what I've, what I've highlighted here is, firstly, just how Jesus doesn't condemn her or shame her or, or judge her. He's literally just speaking the truth. And here he's flowing in, we, and we've looked at this, um, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a gift of a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is when by the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit reveals something to you about the past or the present that you couldn't know um, without just the Holy Spirit showing you. And so that's Jesus. It's, it's one of the prophetic gifts. It's an aspect of the prophetic, the word of knowledge. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's bringing a word of knowledge here. But he's affirming what she says. He says, you have, you have well said. And he said, in that you spoke truly. Can you see even in how he's bringing this 
reality word that he's saying, yes, I, I know you're living, you're living in sin. He's basically saying, but he's saying, you are telling me the truth, truth and I want to affirm this. It's amazing how you can bring truth without bringing condemnation and a spirit of judgment and criticism and shame. It's amazing. Just look at the honor with which Jesus speaks to this immoral woman. He's actually affirming her. It's amazing how he engages her. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Whoa, go on. Go, girl. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And again, <laughs> what she's bringing up is something that a Jewish rabbi would have immediately jumped on. This whole thing of where you're meant to worship, Jerusalem or, or where they say. And Jesus isn't provoked. He isn't provoked by this at all. He goes on to say, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on, uh, you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. He's, he's affirming just that he is Jewish. Verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. These amazing words about worshipping God in spirit and truth, they are, they are so well known. And Jesus chose to speak to them, speak these words to an immoral woman next to a well in Samaria. I'm, I'm amazed. This, this moment here is, is so well known. The words that Jesus spoke to this woman. And he chose to speak it to this, this woman that was an outcast in her own community, in a community of outcasts. And I just want to highlight, you know, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Jesus is just highlighting that true worship comes from our spirits, from our inmost being. You know, worship doesn't have to happen in a church and it doesn't even have to involve singing. I remember when I first heard that, I thought it was like, wow. Worship is an attitude of adoration towards God. It it is often expressed through song, but it could just be words. It could just be an, an, an attitude of literally just kneeling on the ground before the Lord. That's an attitude of worship. Worship doesn't even have to mean that there's an expression coming out of your mouth. It often is. It's from your spirit. It's from your spirit, an attitude of adoration towards God. That's what it is. And in truth, truth is important um, over here. And, and that's why the word of God is so important that we worship God. Um, and I just remember we so often when we, when we teach people on worship and praise, just how they are set free and just worship just goes to a whole new level because truth are kind of the railway tracks which empower and enable spirit-led worship to, to come forth out of our spirits. And it says the Father is seeking such who worship Him. 
And this is the heart. You see, Jesus went to Samaria to seek this woman. He knew that, that, that this woman was destined to be a worshiper of God because Jesus was work, walking with the Father. The Father, remember Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing and, and what he heard the Father doing. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit of God that, that was leading him to this woman because the Father was seeking worship from this woman. When we came to plant this church in Peter Maritzburg, I heard a, an amazing quote. It said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions exist because worship doesn't. We go on mission to unlock worship in people that don't yet know this amazing God that they were created to worship, that they are longing and yearning to worship. Some of the, the most fulfilling just experiences in life is wholehearted, spirit-prompted, spirit-drawn worship to God. It is amazing. Jesus says, verse 24, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Amazing just revelation, just so deep. It's so deep. It's so profound. Verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You know, these words, I who speak to you am he, is the most, the, the clearest confession of Jesus, of who he is to any individual in the Gospels. It's amazing, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, Jesus would not, would not just, you know, uh, communicate this to them. But here to an immoral lady amongst the despised people, he reveals who he is. It's incredible. And I want to say, what do we learn from this? You don't need to be a super special, highly anointed, gifted person for Jesus to reveal amazing truths to you. Jesus longs to speak to those who the world kind of says, mm, you don't make the grade. Verse 27, and at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And if we read on, um, we, we see that Jesus spent a whole two days with him. And the Bible says, and I'm actually going to go to, to that slide, so we're just going to skip the next few slides. Um, I just want to get to that, to that sec section over here. Uh, and this is, this is my last slide. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, 
now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. This woman caused the whole, the whole town to come to know the Lord, to believe in him. That's the word, bestow. They bestowed in him. It means to adhere with your whole confidence in somebody. That's what believe in. Many believed. And it says they believed not just because of what she said, but I want you to notice this, that they believed they came to believe because of what they said, but not just what they said. They also heard Jesus' words. But this woman had a profound impact. But Jesus, in, 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 in response to the heart of the Father to seek those who would worship him, came to this woman at the well. And, and I want to I pray for us. I want to pray for all of us in conclusion that we would meet with Jesus at whatever well we are we are at and whatever that means to you and that we would we would drink deeply from jesus from the well that is jesus and so lord i pray for every single person who's listening to this word lord we come to you at the well and lord we recognize that there are wells that we have tried to drink from to try and satisfy the yearnings of our heart that lord we just know we've tried it so often it just doesn't satisfy and so lord we say forgive us from drinking from dirty wells but lord you have lord the 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 water that satisfies you are the water that satisfies and so lord we come and we bestow we believe with all our heart and lord we drink lord we say fill us and i just pray for a fresh infilling by the spirit of christ in every single hungry thirsty yearning heart this morning i say lord may we drink deeply of you lord may we be satisfied by nothing else but you we drink deeply from you jesus in jesus name amen god bless you